Hello, and welcome back to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. In each episode of this podcast, I look at 100 pages of American writing, and I'm currently slogging my way through the works of Mark Twain, as you probably are aware. So, um, yeah, we got to finish up uh, A Tramp Abroad, I suppose. Um, the that's what we're working on. This book was written in 1880. It's based on his 1878-79 travels in Germany, the Alps, and then a little bit of of of, of travel in um in um Italy. Um, now, in general, I don't have that much more to say about this book. I've uh, you know I, I find the travel logs a little tough to talk about because they are sort of very episodic um and and a lot of vignettes right and the vignettes are all interesting and and fascinating to 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 read this is a great book to read it's a little hard to talk about um about what you're doing i i think that changes with following the equator just because it is so politically charged um almost every page of that is just bleeding like like politics and and anxiety about the world system that's developing in Mark Twain's time. Um, I think, frankly, I'm less interested in what Mark Twain has to say about Europe. Maybe it's because I'm not that particularly interested in Europe. Um, But overall, I think the first half of this book starts out a lot stronger and more interesting because in that he really is just living in Germany. He's just getting his head around what Germany is and what his culture is, its language, its folklore, and he's reflecting on it in, I think, fairly interesting ways. Um, when he starts his walking tour of the Alps and then goes into Italy towards in the last few chapters of the book, it kind of reverts to being uh, travel tourist literature like we read in Innocence Abroad. Where it's really like, oh, look at that site. Look at that, you know, what's going on there. Oh, that's interesting. There's a story behind it. Kind of what we got in Innocence Abroad. So I... I'm less kind of excited about the the last half of the last parts of this book, especially the whole last half. But that said, the the Swiss Alps stories themselves, it, it's kind of interesting because this was a dangerous uh, travel for him. He spends a lot of time talking about like accidents and people who died and, you know, those who got lost up in the Alps. And you get the sense of a little bit of dread, but you know probably that's Mark Twain exaggerating that for his own aggrandizement and his own um, kind of uh, arrogance about it, or maybe not arrogance. Maybe it's uh, just to to give the story a little bit more spice. But it's not like that much happens to him personally. Uh, mostly, what he does talk about are tall tales or media records of of tragedies that took place in the Alps. Um, so that is uh, pretty good stuff. Um, he's doing like scientific experiments up there. Like he takes a thermometer and barometer and he's doing these these measurements. He's uh, taking like photographs of a sort, uh, like of the Matterhorn. And we actually have an inclusion of, of his photograph. He, he draws like a donkey over it. It's kind of a cute little joke because he claims the donkey got in the way of his, um, his picture of the Matterhorn. Um, I've never been to Europe, so I've never seen it myself. I've never been to the Alps. Apparently, it's pretty impressive. Um, and he has a lot of praise for that. Um, 
it is very much nature writing, I suppose, in this in this this section of the book. But it, it's intertwined with uh, with stories, media accounts of of a lot of tragedies and things like that. Um, and the same thing, it's got its tall tales and its jokes about like how do you travel by glacier? You know, how many centuries it would take to get three miles by glacier, and all that. But um, yeah, he's got a very very long chapter on 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 glaciers, but. Not much, again, like, what to actually uh, reflect on that. I, I think the best thing is maybe try to reflect on this book as a whole. Um, you know, I think overall my feeling on it is it is a superior work than Innocence Abroad because it is, uh, he's not innocent anymore. He is a much more mature writer and thinker, and he's someone trying to reflect on this culture as it is, not as it appears through, through European eyes. At least as far as the German chapters go. I think that's certainly true of the German chapters. Probably less so when he gets to the Alps, where it's much more about his travels and his, and, you know. But what fascinates me about this is the whole thing's on foot, right? He is traveling as close as he can get to, to the European soil. And this does give him, like, time to meditate. And I, and I think that's something you're really missing out in Innocence Abroad, where you got that snap, snap, snap. You know, go here, visit for a day, go to the next place, visit there for a day, go to the next place, and everything's kind of feels kind of rushed. Here, everything is much more meditative. Like you, like I said, you get like three chapters, two or three chapters on you know on glaciers in one form or other. One more comical, one more scientific, one kind of natural, you know, part of it's going into the natural history of the glaciers, the size of it, the awesomeness of it. Um, these are things he couldn't have done in that earlier travel what it's missing in my view or in my feeling what what's missing most in in a tramp abroad is is the american right um if anything the americans we see are presented kind of comically uh the american tourists he bumps into and discusses are presented as a bit of a joke so i think after all this um my favorite still is roughing it because that is the most deeply American. I think Life on the Mississippi, too, in a way, that's great because it's reflecting on the change in America over the course of his life. I think that's the power of that one. Roughing it is just the most frontier. It's the most trying to get at the American spirit. And it does it by looking at like speculation and the, the, the rough and rowdy frontier towns of Nevada. Um, and then it steps into empire a little bit. He can't do that here. He can't really get a handle on what it means to be an American because he's, if anything, he's trying to learn what it means to be a German. Um, and he can't really reflect on empire either because he's still in the center of empire. That takes stepping out and being in the, the broader world, right? It takes being uh, engaged with with the empire itself, which is what happens in following the equator. Um, but anyways, with this book, I'm not going to lie and tell you I have much to say about his chapters about like breakfast in, in America and Venice and, and things like that. There's a lot. There's actually quite a bit about food in this, this book, too. Um, it just is what it is. I, my guess is that most people who read this are going to come away with... Uh, Maybe the Alpine stuff, the, the kind of almost, he almost becomes a nature writer for a while, which is good. It's, it's, it's like a side of, of Twain we haven't really seen before, but he can't stop himself from, from just being the comic 
uh, writer. That, that's why I think we need following the equator to kind of wrap up this sequence of of travel logs because that's going that's going to force him to be political. It's going to force him to actually reflect on the horrors of of the world system at the time. In a way, he and he's a much more cynical, bittered, embittered person by that time in his life. It's after his daughter died. It's after he lost a lot of money. He was doing it largely for money, right? So, um, it's. It's he's coming at it with like a very, very different um, perspective. But what I'm trying to say is I think what most people would get out of this book is either that Alpine stuff or the German stuff, right? The stuff in the appendixes, like the, the awful German language. Like that's probably the most commonly read part of this entire book. But I think the stuff about the campus life in Germany is, is pretty outstanding too. So I don't know. I think I'm just going to kind of cheat here and, and say... Yeah, that's that's all I really want to say about uh, a tramp abroad. I feel kind of um, I feel like I'm kind of letting myself down just because I'm struck by a little bit of ennui about this particular book. Um, yeah, it's not one I think I'm going to return to, to be honest. So yeah, I think I'm just going to leave it at that, um, to be honest, and then uh, get to uh, following the equator. Where we'll um, we'll dig into that. Um, I'm, I'm sorry if I disappoint you on uh, not having anything really profound to say about this. It's just I'm not sure there's anything there that profound. I think where it touches it, where it touches that profoundness, is it maybe and when he's really saying like, what makes a nation? What makes a German a German? And what role does folklore play on that? What role does art and music and those kinds of things? Um, but I don't think he's ready for. For well, maybe, maybe he's kind of maybe he's providing the readers what they want, I think, and not what they need. And I think following the equator provides the readers what they need, and not not just what they want. It's not so much a happy tale. In fact, that that book actually begins with a reflection on like addiction. It's it's actually quite um, even though it's still presented in kind of a humorous way. It it is like the burdens of addiction is, is, is the starting page. And then we kind of get hit again and again by, by just this horrific world system that, that is being held together by empire. So, uh, so I guess that's it. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, and, um, and, and save my time to, to read deeper and deeper into following the equator. So that's it for now. Um, Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.